to episode 79 of the Skippers View podcast. My name is Dean, uh, and we're excited to have our fifth guest join the show today. Uh, Scott Bush is the CEO of the Society for American Baseball Research, more commonly known as Sabre. Uh, quick background for Sabre, uh, for the listeners who have not heard of it, <clears throat> and I saw this from LinkedIn. It was formed in 1971 in Cooperstown with a mission of fostering the research and dissemination of the history and record of the game. Their members include everyone from academics to professional sports writers to amateur historians and statisticians to students and casual fans who merely enjoy reading about baseball history and occasionally gathering with other members to talk baseball. So, Scott, welcome to the show. Uh, and That's thanks, great. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Dean. It's great to be here. Yeah, I just ripped that straight from LinkedIn. Yeah, um, no, it's all good. <laughs> so, and I didn't realize the Sabre had been around for for that long so and i was kind of diving into the website the past couple days uh i got lost in like the the page about all the articles about all the no hitters throughout uh mlb history so i was reading all that so my first question is what's like what is give like an overview of saber for someone who doesn't know what it is and kind of like what your guys mission is yeah so Sabre at its core is a community of baseball enthusiasts. So when you talk about the founding in 1971, it was driven by a group of people who were out there doing baseball research on their own and feeling like they were sort of on an island because obviously no online communities, no ability to share information in that way. Um, and they started to sort of find one another. And then and then they're saying, oh, and I know I know this other guy who lives in this part of the country and he's working on this project, um, you should get in touch with him. And, um, you know, progress was a lot slower, uh, obviously at that time. And over the years, um, as the organization has grown, its research domains have, have expanded. We now have 34 distinct research committees, um, ranging from AI to baseball and the arts to, uh, the Negro leagues, which is our longest standing research committee. Really, any aspect of baseball that could be studied, um, we likely have a group of people who are looking to do so. Um, and aside from that, you know, you may be listening to this um, and thinking, well, I'm not really a researcher. Um, you don't have to be. Uh, we have local chapters who get together and really just join in the fellowship of baseball. Like I said, it's a community. So um, the ability to get together with like minded people and talk about the game and, um, and sharing that is uh, is obviously a good thing. And so, you know, we're fortunate today to have 7,500 members worldwide and, uh, you know, keep trying to grow. Yeah, and I want to I jump in at the end of the interview, kind of like where people, how you join and what are kind of like the benefits and the meetups and all of that as well. Because uh, I was looking into that because I'm in New York. So I think it was the Yogi, is it the Yogi Berra chapter? Is that one of them? Uh, yeah, we do, we do have a, a Berra chapter. Um, you're going to catch me. I always think about it with the actual city. So if you, if you give the name that we may have, that's not the, the geographic name, you might catch me, uh, catch me slipping, but, uh, but yeah. Yeah. So I was in New York quickly, just jump, the one thing there kind of piques my interest, the, the AI aspect of our researching, like, what are you guys, uh, I'm a teacher. So I work in education. So we talk about our, our artificial intelligence a lot now. And I think, I mean, I use chat GPT, uh, a decent amount because I think it's a good tool to use if you know how to use it. Uh, and I think in school, it's going to be something it's inevitable, obviously. Uh, but how are you guys using it in, in research? Yeah. So um, one of the places 
that we've introduced this committee is at our analytics conference. Um, and obviously the analytics conference, a lot of that gets into big data, right? So how much, <clears throat> how much data can you feed in artificial intelligence? And then how do you use that to your advantage to hopefully find out something new, right? Okay. Um, so on the team side, I expect AI to continue to expand and build and things like that. Um, you know, but there's, there's also, uh, future utility for us. Like we have a pictorial history committee. Um, there's, there's absolutely, um, a future for us within the, um, the pictorial history of baseball to leverage AI to help us, um, continue to solve different mysteries that may be out there, um, about what a photograph is of or where it's from and things like oh, that. Oh, wow. Okay. That's very cool. So just using it as a tool. Yeah, I love it. I don't know how often you use it personally, uh, but I, I use, I make images. I was always worried, worried about copyright, like images. So now I just use AI to, I just give a description of what I want for like a Twitter. If I'm talking about like Juan Soto, I'm like, give me Juan Soto on the beach with like his number on the back, like sitting in a beach <laughs> chair. And I just do that instead. So I don't need to worry about That's right. Uh, and you're free, free usage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so tell me about tell me about your journey. So you weren't always involved. You were heavily involved in minor leagues, and we'll jump to that. Uh, but you were involved in basketball as well. So what was your journey, kind of like to Saber? Yeah, my journey to Saber. Yeah, I mean, pr primarily primarily through minor league baseball. Um, worked worked on the minor league side for a little bit more than a decade. Um, <clears throat> fortunate to spend the bulk of that time with. Um, the St. Paul Saints and with their ownership group, the Gold Clan group, um, where just had a lot of really great and cool opportunities um, throughout throughout my tenure with them and really highlighted by we opened a, a brand new ballpark there in 2015, um, probably a once in a career sort of a thing to open a new building and, and be part of the group that gets that off the ground um, for the local community. Um, and, uh, you know, really most of my background is inside sales and marketing, um, development of, of revenue for the most part. Um, and ultimately the, when the Sabre role was open, um, it really came down to whether or not that's the sort of profile of a person that the board was looking for. Right. Um, because you could be looking for a lot of different profiles. The Hall of Fame, for example, historically hires um, someone who's worked in PR for a big league team, right? They're, they're not hiring people uh, who are focused on revenue generation. Uh, but Sabre, that was seen as a need um, in that moment. And so that made me a fit. And I've been fortunate to, uh, to serve in this role for five years now. Okay. And and the basketball, just what did you do if the you were for the Timberwolves, right? Yeah, I was I was I was with the Timberwolves for uh, uh, I think ten months, and <laughs> but within that, right, basketball's funky, so it was yeah. parts of two different seasons. Okay, um, during which time the team won uh, fifteen and seventeen games, so um, the equivalent of like a thirty-win uh, big league team. So, uh, okay. not, not right. exactly the world's greatest product, <laughs> uh, while I was there. <laughs> right. And, uh, you were in Minnesota. You're, are you in, uh, Phoenix? Are you in Arizona? Um, no, no, we, um, Sabre, Sabre's now actually a remote staff. Um, so oh, I'm in, okay. uh, I'm in Charleston, South Carolina, which is where I was living before oh. I took, took the role with Sabre. Um, 
okay. we went we went remote um late 2021 okay uh, and what's like i was looking on the website and i was diving into it but i want to hear really more from you and also i was watching some of your youtube interviews as well like your guys little podcast that you do i saw you were on it uh on back on it the other day what is your guys connection like with ma- the major leagues and you're definitely heavily connected with the minor leagues correct uh saber yeah saber itself yeah, yeah. like and, you and like you yeah me like me uh, personally or the organization <laughs> The organization, but you like on a day to day, like what is your day? What does your day look like? Okay, so yeah, day to day for me, right? And and the Saber staff really, we are functioning in a way that would support everything that our members are doing, right? So trying to make sure that we're providing um, enough backbone for all of our volunteer chapter leaders, all of our volunteer uh, research committee chairs to have the resources and the tools that they need to go out and continue to um, uh, pursue the mission, right? Which is mm-hmm. baseball research. Yeah. So within that, uh, what does that mean? Well, it's, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of frankly, community support. So working directly with our members to provide them with the things that they need. It's also then on a, from a top level, right? What are the, uh, what are the research tools and resources that we can be providing um, through our member members only side of the site, right? So that people mm-hmm. can go in and access information. And then how are we helping build connections, right? So how do we how do we create an environment such that all of our members feel like they can get to one another, right? So you know, all this sounds this sounds probably a little bit boring, right? It's not like I'm I'm calling up. Uh, I'm not calling Chris Antonetti every day to find out like, um, you know, what, what we can do with the, with the Cleveland guardians. But um, you know, that, that's, that's really what it looks like, right? It's, it's yeah. at its core, we are a grassroots organization, um, can- you know, so, so provide continuing to provide the support necessary to make all of our members as effective as they can be. And just continuing to build a community. Mm-hmm. And what's exactly. the what's the age range of like Saber members? So like mm-hmm. primarily like where where is the age fall? Yeah, I mean, look, we 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 draft off of Major League Baseball. So if if you see any recent survey of what the demographic profile of Major League Baseball looks like, it's fifty year old white male uh, working a white collar job, right? So mm-hmm. we historically reflect that. Um, yeah. We we have been doing a lot of work. Um, on our end to find ways to change that. And that's, that's work that takes years to see results, right? Mm -hmm. Like you don't, you don't pop into a group of people that you've never been a part of before and suddenly get them to be part of your friend group. That's, that's not how life works. Right. So the, the work that the work that we're doing, um, in that space, we're really focused on being younger. Um, so we're drive, we're using our analytics offerings um as a way to be relevant to students um Mm -hmm. and to hopefully help them within their professional development journey um Mm -hmm. we introduced a a suite of baseball analytics certification courses over the last year plus um so we've got three courses out now we'll have a fourth first quarter next year um and then in terms of other spaces um, we're really trying to be really thoughtful about strategic partnerships, relationships with other organizations um, that would be like-minded, but maybe represent a different set of demographics than the organization currently. Is. 
how old do you have to be to take those classes, those analytical classes? Uh, you, you could, you could do it as a high school student. We've definitely had okay. high school students go through it for sure. Okay. Yep. I'm going to, I'm going to push that. Yeah. That's one. I mean, I, that was one thing I was interested about is just how you guys are trying. And this is an overall baseball problem, but I just want to see how your company is doing it. This is reaching the younger generations because of just attention spans and everything that they have. I mean, I see it every day <clears throat> and I do like card clubs and, and different clubs with my students. Uh, and just, I mean, I have like a hundred kids and I would say maybe like six of them follow baseball, uh, which to me is just, is just, is mind boggling because we, we grew, we grew up on that, but they're just, they're like the short clips on TikTok and Twitter for basketball and football is what sucks them in. And that's mm -hmm. just how, that's, that's how they follow us. And they're not following baseball. So I'm trying to introduce it to them and they're like, oh, well, this is, this is cool. Like analytically that's. And the analytics stats and his, the historical aspect of it is what got me into baseball because I'm, I'm a history major. So I just love diving into the history of baseball. And that's kind of what had me fall in love with the game. So now I'm trying to instill that on young kids. And I do feel like that's really where like the analytical aspect of it, because these kids are so, so into coding and numbers and all that stuff like that, would, I think is where you'd be able to reach like that younger generation and suck them in that way. Um, I don't know if that's what you guys are focusing on, but. Yeah, on the on the uh, on the younger on the younger side of things, absolutely, we're we're focused in that space, and and you know some of it also comes down to we are a bit of a club, right? And many people don't get involved in organizations like that until they're much more settled in their personal life, right? So mm -hmm. you you've you've found a partner, maybe you've had kids, but you're certainly settled in professionally before you go out and say, okay, now what are the hobbies that I want to spend more time? With, right. Mm -hmm. Um, so some of it we come by honestly, but that doesn't mean that there are not things that we can do to, to do a better job. And how often, like how often are, say is a chapter meet, like how often do you guys meet? Like if I, if I were to join like the Barrett chapter, right. Yeah. Is there like yeah. weekly or biweekly, like zoom meetings where we kind of get together and then once a month we get together in person. How does that work? Yeah, so um, a lot of our chapters do meet on a monthly basis. Um, many of them are now in a hybrid space of some kind. So you touched on, mm -hmm. you know, maybe maybe in person one month, you know, uh, virtual the next. So we see we see alternating schedules like that. We see some who are actually executing fully hybrid meetings, right? So they're they're saying here's the central gathering point if you'd like to be here in person, but we're also going to have this up on zoom. If, um, if that's your preference. Um, okay. and you know, we, we found, um, we found during the pandemic, um, that, it, that pushing virtual events, um, had a really positive net impact for the organization. And it's something that, um, we would have had a real difficult time doing organically on our own. If we had, if we had asked our chapters to go from only in person to, Hey, you should, you should offer zoom, you know, three, four times a year, or you should offer a hybrid event consistently. Um, I think we would have had a lot of resistance, but when people were forced into this change, suddenly they started to see things that maybe they hadn't noticed before. Um, for example, Oh, well, I don't have to think about parking. Or I've got a, a significant number of our chapter members who have to make a pretty long drive to mm -hmm. get to our in-person meeting point. All that goes away, right? Yeah. Um, and people were really appreciative of the alternative. And we've, we've done a really good job, I think, throughout the organization of maintaining that. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, like I'm I'm on Long Island, and I was looking at the the New York one, and I hate the city. I despise New York City. Yeah. And where are you from? Are you where are you from? Are you from? I'm Charleston? originally from Minnesota. Oh, you're originally which makes sense. Timberwolves. Yeah. Um, I hate New York City. I despise it. I hate go. I hate going there. Uh, so for me, like when I saw that, I was like, oh, I would never want to really. But then I saw that there's like an online component of it. Like, oh, okay, that that's much more, uh, my my taste anyway. So I definitely I definitely get that. All right analytics i you guys have the analytical conference coming up in in the spring mm -hmm. i don't I, I love stats right i love like history records all that like sell me on like the analytical movement like do you think it's here to stay i'm assuming you think yes and then my second question which i, I mentioned to you before is like is there a, an analytical stat that you think that's going to come out in the next like 10 years that it's just a little easier to understand. Like I personally get, I struggle with some of these like FIP and I, even war. I get, I get honestly overwhelmed with. So do you think it's going to be more, I don't want to say more simplified, but do you think it's going to become a little more simple as the years go on? Um, I, I don't think it'll be more simple because I think, I think the, the way that we do the math is going to remain constant. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm a I'm a failed engineering major, so math and I have our have our own uh, struggles that, that we go through all the time. But um, to me, obviously, the analytics movement um, has been successful, and the question now is to what degree um, we will allow it to continue to affect the aesthetics of the sport, um, because clearly it has there's there's just simply no arguing about that right um and i think i think that there have been multiple steps taken a really positive direction i think there's more that needs to be done um but in terms of team building and player development things like that analytics can continue to be pervasive in our approach and i don't think um you know i don't think there's a new magic metric coming down the pipeline i think actually for the most part, a lot of the, a lot of the work that has been done around um, the statistics that are just freely available, right? So like the stuff that you can go to baseball reference or fan graphs and get, um, or, you know, call it back to the baseball card st type statistics, and then turning that into a way to measure player performance, we can improve on the margins, but those improvements are minimal. Right. So like mm -hmm. the cutting edge stuff today is really now all about measuring actual performance. Right. It's it's all inside of Major League Baseball StatCast system, um, you know, and the teams get data there that is not publicly available that you can't download um, yet. And the work that people are able to do with that, the work that people are able to do with bio biomechanics labs, that's that's the new. And that's the thing that's going to create cutting edge breakthroughs, both in player development, but also in player evaluation. You know, there's so much that we need to learn about the physics of it all um, and how players do what they do. Right. Like mm -hmm. the the amazing thing about baseball is that Jose Altuve can be as effective or more effective at times. Um, at hitting than Aaron judge can be. That's, that's the beautiful thing about baseball, but the work of the work of front offices is to figure out how he does that. Right. And because 
frankly, physically, there are far more people who look like Jose Altuve than Aaron Judge. That's mm-hmm. just yeah. Most people are under six feet. <laughs> right, right. So that's that's how it works, right? So if if we can figure out how Jose Altuve does that, and then gear our player development system in that way we can be better as an organization because we can find more guys like him than we can mm-hmm. six, seven, two eighty five. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. That's a very good point. Okay. Now, then now I'm sold. Um, <laughs> now, so someone like me, just like a regular, if I were to become a member, are we able to attend the analytical conference Is that kind of like open to open to everybody? It, analytics, you don't even have to be a member to attend. Um, okay. You do have to register obviously, but um, yeah. no, you don't, don't even have to be a member to attend the analytics conference in March in Phoenix. Uh, but you should join because you get a killer discount. Uh, if you do attend. <laughs> and what, so like now tell me, I, now I want to like, kind of like just sell saber. Uh, <laughs> Tell me about like that. Like, if I go to the analytical conference, what am I? What's going on? It's a three day conference. It's in Arizona, so that's awesome. Uh, but like, what what would I be doing? Yeah. So so over those three days, you're gonna get um, research presentations from people inside the industry, um, people looking to get into the industry, people who are academics in completely unrelated fields who love baseball, right? Okay. Um, so we we just closed the submission window for abstracts and we've got we've got a paper from an economist who works for the federal bank right like so so just really interesting stuff that mm-hmm. that allows you to to geek out on aspects of baseball that are not exclusively on the field but plenty of stuff on the field as well so you get the yeah. research presentations we also do really fun panel conversations last year my favorite panel discussion uh was talking about um, what we thought the outcomes of the rules changes were going to be. Dallas Braden mm-hmm. was on it. He killed it, um, was hilarious, but also provided a lot of insight <laughs> in terms of yeah. as a pitcher, what the disengagements rule rules were, what effect the disengagements rules were going to have. And he was almost a prophet on this thing. He was, mm-hmm. he was really, really great. So, you know, we do a lot of that. We're st- I'm still putting together, you know, what, what those panel discussions are going to be. And then we do networking um, opportunity to just meet and greet everybody else who's there um, and spend time. So it's, it's, yeah, it's really fun three days and, you know, plenty of time to sneak away and get a spring training game or two as well. Now, so now you're just going to talk about how they're going to knock another two seconds off the off the pitch clock. Just how, just how, just how. <laughs> We're going to talk about that. Or also, that. I, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff, you know, inside the data that we still, you know. So here's mm-hmm. here's one for you. So w- what do you think the average size of the lead of a runner's lead off of first base was after a pitcher had used all of his disengagements? Ooh. Right. Like we don't know the answer to that. Yeah, but, I, I thought you were asking me. I was going to say, I don't no, know. no, no, no. I, I, but but th- those are the things, right? These are future yeah. research questions, you know. And it's yeah. not, and it's not just like everybody. Everybody's excited about the stolen bases. I'm excited about the stolen bases. Yes, yeah, right, one hundred percent. Facts are though, we still didn't have a team steal two hundred bases. We haven't had a team steal two hundred bases since two thousand seven. Um, I, I would suspect it'll happen this coming year. So, but the rules are not just exclusively about steals, right? Like Jose mm-hmm. Abreu is not taken off for second base he's not going to go right however um if a pitcher had foolishly used all of his disengagements on jose abreu for some reason Mm -hmm. um what does his lead look like yeah right like that matters because he's not fast enough to go first to third 
unless something extraordinary happens anyway. But if he gets yeah. more of a lead, maybe he does, right? And there's there's hidden run values inside of all that stuff that's really interesting. And are these members of are these just like community members who are doing all this re- doing all this research with you then? Um, yeah, I mean a a lot of them are members. Some of them aren't members. We mm-hmm. they're researchers, right? They're doing baseball yeah. research, so we we would still consider them part of the the baseball research community, right? Um, yeah. And so yeah, there's just there's a lot of fun questions out there for sure. No, yeah, one hundred percent. So okay, so now just explain to me how like how I joined Saber, how is like a fan joined Saber, and then like what are the perks of just like day to day, week to week, like being part of the yeah. community? Fantastic. So go to saber.org. Got a page right there that says community. It'll get you right to uh, to finding a membership that fits for you. Um, there's a few different types, so everybody can sort that out for themselves. In terms of membership benefit and value, um, you know, we talked we've talked a lot about chapter um, type stuff. That we also talked a little bit about uh, research committee opportunity to engage in that. Aside from that, um, there's a lot of great content that you can get. So we do a weekly newsletter, uh, weekly newsletter called this week in Sabre. It's fantastic. It's going to give you uh, a lot of what has happened inside of the organization that week. But then we also have a lot in there that's condensed and, you know, around the web sort of a thing. It's a great way to catch up on everything that's happened in baseball over the last week. Um, In addition to that, we're publishing actively on our website all the time. So we've got a great bio project, um, great way to read about former players. We've got a games oh, project that's always published. Every player, yeah, yeah. And then, and then we've got uh, we've got books that come out. You know, we we published, uh, I believe, we published eight books and three journals this oh, wow. last uh, in this last year. So as a member, you get all of that free electronically. Um, wow. So so at a minimum you're getting eight books and three journals um, for free, right? Even if you don't, if you want to, if you don't want to go hang out, go to yeah. chapter meetings, that's your mistake, but you can do that. And uh, you know, sit back, kick back and read, read about more baseball. Who's writing those books. And you guys have like, do you guys have authors within or you guys kind of like outsource that or. Yeah. So, so the books are, are all member projects. Oh. Um, so, so all of the contributors are, are member researchers who are writing essays, bios, game stories, things like that um, inside of the books. Oh wow. Damn. <laughs> so so if you get if you join then you say you're a member and you join, could you eventually write a book like write a do the research and yeah, write you a can book? Be a, you can be a contributor. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. Okay, awesome. Um so now I have just two last questions. All the interviews I've done, it was like I've done Joe Joe Poznansky, your friend Dan Evans, um, Adam Lazarus, Aaron Carlson. And the same, there's like a common theme that's going on. And I want to see how you feel. Like, is there a team that you root for now? Like your world is baseball, right? Like you're baseball 24 seven. Is there a team you still root for or now are you just kind of like a fan of the game? So, uh, I listened, I listened to Dan's episode, so I know what the theme is. So yeah. I'm going to say that I'm going to discontinue the theme. Okay. Good. Uh, I like that. <laughs> so I, I'm a Yankee fan. Okay. Um, I'm a and, Red Sox fan. Uh, <laughs> What's that? I'm a Red Sox fan. Oh no, this is terrible. <laughs> no. <laughs> so born born and raised in Minnesota, um, and uh, 2009 Twins sort of broke me um, in in a couple of different ways. But one was they had they had multiple MVPs and a Cy Young winner on that team, and they decided at the ownership level that they couldn't 
pay uh, pay the guys to keep a group together and or augment what was really top tier talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and they ended up going through the year. They they did make the playoffs through a one game, uh, you know, game one sixty three sort of scenario. But I gave up on them in August, and I said I'm a free agent. Um, I ended up <laughs> I ended up attending uh, ended up attending game two of the two thousand nine World Series um, at Yankee Stadium. It was amazing. I had such a good time. I was like, I'll just do this. I'm good. Wow. Like, I, I can root for the Yankees. This is fine. This works for me. Wow. So I'm, I'm a Yankee fan. Now, I, I will say um, I do. I am capable of appreciating all of the other clubs, except for maybe one. And, uh, and you know, and that one club. So, yeah. <laughs> you, you know who it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, I, I do, I do think that, um, you know, probably at this point I, I am a more of a generalist, but I, I do keep close, close tabs on the Yankees. Okay. So. No, that's, I like that because I've been doing this, me and my friend kind of started this, I guess we started two years ago. I really only started working on it like almost a year, I guess it was like January. So I'm constantly just like doing baseball. I, my fandom though has not changed. And um, I just want to make sure that if I continue to do this, like my fan, like I don't want to fall into like, oh, I just love the game and all the players. Like I don't want that. I have, I have a Red Sox tattoo on my wrist that I got when I was like eighteen. I can't, I can't just become a, a fan of fan of the game. I, I got to stick right. with the Red Sox. So, um, right. All right. Last, last question. Well, last two questions. Just real quick. Do you? I just ask everyone now this because it's the only thing that people are talking about. Where do you think Otani's going? And then where? And uh, then do you think Soto's getting traded now or in July? So I think Otani will go to the Dodgers, but I want him to go to the Cubs. Okay. Um, I, I just, I just think it would be really, really entertaining to see him play at Wrigley. Okay. Um, because I, I think he could do some things on a season basis at Wrigley that would be pretty incredible. I mean, he's going to okay. be amazing wherever he goes. No matter but what. I, I, yeah. Thinking about him as a hitter at Wrigley, whew, that's, that's really fun to think about. Yeah, um, I just think Dodgers is boring. I, personally, like if he just goes to the Dodgers for me, it's like that's just like the easy, kind of boring way out. So I I, I agree with that. <laughs> the the Soto question is really difficult to answer um, unless we hear more about um, how uh, how Padres ownership is going to be handling things mm-hmm. um, moving forward, and that's that's really tough to to predict at this stage yeah yeah um yeah i obviously want red Sox to sign i don't know if i want them to sign otani i will i would like them to go after yamamoto i wrote a couple articles about that just because the relationship between him and yoshida like they are i went through all their social medias and was just scrolling through their instagrams and looking at like they have a million photos of just like the two of them uh so i'm i'm, I'm really i'm really pushing for that uh, and then I was hoping Otani would, Otani would go maybe just take a pay cut and just go there too. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, <laughs> all right. So last thing I was asked to is there anyone in like your world that you think would be like a fun person to interview uh, for us? Like Dan, oh, wow. first thing, first question I asked Dan, he's like, Scott. So I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I was supposed to have an answer to this. Oh my God. Wow. Oh my God. This is embarrassing because I just thought of the person and then I spaced on their name. Oh man. Ah. Judy Pace Flood. Judy Pace uh, Flood. So wife wife of uh Kurt Flood. Okay. Uh of the late Kurt Flood. Um, okay. 
so she's just fantastic person, fantastic interview, and um, you know can never talk too much about Kurt Flood's legacy. So I'm gonna write this. I'm gonna write this down. That was good. You thought about that. I did. I did. I did. It was painful, I'm sure, to the listeners going, this guy oh, is uh, just not I, talking. I use artificial intelligence to cut out the silences automatically. <laughs> so <laughs> so it, just, it, just cuts, it just cuts it right out. Uh, all right, Scott, thank you for coming on. I just really wanted to, like, I, I was kind of enamored with Sabre, and I've been following baseball for so long, and I, obviously, like, when someone says Sabre, I know it's baseball-related, but I've never, like, dived deep into the website personally, so I've started to do that. I didn't do it too much because I kind of wanted to hear it from you. Um, and now the listeners kind of get to hear from you. So, I, so you saber.org, sabr.org. Everyone go go there. Kind of just dive into dive into the research. But you, like, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me uh, on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter at Scott underscore Bush, um, and uh, you can find me on the Saber website. Okay, yeah. So everyone, just go 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 join go join Saber. Uh, if you're in the New York area, I'm probably going to join the I guess it's the Barrow chapter, and we can we can meet up. Very good. <laughs> All right. Thank you, awesome. Scott. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dean. <laughs>